Well, guys, as you know, we are in the middle of our series on prayer, and uh, we are in this series been learning how to interact with our unseen God, learning how to interact with His unseen kingdom um, through dialoguing with God and, and dialoguing with Him about what we're doing together. And I don't know about you guys, but I'll tell you what, it isn't easy focusing on the unseen realm, is it? It is so easy to get distracted and caught up with the seen world. I mean, I feel like it's bombarding us day in and day out. And and when that happens, we tend to ignore the unseen reality of God and His activity. And therefore, we fail to engage with Him in it. And that's to our loss, sadly to say. How's you guys' homework go this week? A lot of blank stares there. Uh, Well, I hope it went well. Uh, I know for me, I showed some improvement in the amount of things I involved God in and dialogued with Him about. Still have so far to go, um, but at least there's improvement, and I want to keep improving, and I I know you do too. So guys, let's keep training. Let's keep applying effort uh, towards this, and we're going to see God's grace work uh, along with us in ways that we never dreamed possible. And I know it's going to be awesome, so let's keep at it. Before I get into the rest of my sermon, though, uh, in each one of our lives, there are people who have been part of our lives that have meant a lot and and played a big part into who we are today. And there's a couple here today who uh, have been that in my life. When I first became a pastor, uh, I had no clue what I was doing. I went from being a carpenter to being a pastor. I had no clue what I was doing. And this man was a guy who was able to stand beside me and a guy I could call and I could rely on. And he really shepherded me in this process. And he, uh, just a super guy. And I just want to acknowledge him if he's here is Dr. Perry. Dr. Perry and his wife, if you could both stand up. Let's give them a big round of applause. Now, I know he sat in the back, so I wouldn't do that, but uh, I want to do that. But he, he means a great deal to me, both, both him and his wife uh, do. So thank you, Dr. Perry, for being here. All right, um, where am I at now? Okay, today I'm going to talk about another aspect on prayer that I think a lot of us uh, wonder about and uh, we have questions about, and it's simply this. Here's the topic we're going to talk about. Does God even listen to our prayers? I mean, does he even hear us? Now, when I ask that question, I know our little churchy answers will go immediately answer, well, of course he listens to us. Luke, why would you even ask that question? But down deep within us, each one of us, there's a little part of us that asks that question a lot. Is God even listening to us? Does he even hear our prayer? And, and the reason why we ask that, there is a reason. Anybody want to tell me what do you think that reason is? Why would we ask that question? What's that? Okay, we ask him, okay, let me ask you this. Wives, why do you ask your husbands, are you even listening to me? <laughs> because they don't answer back, right? I mean, you'll be sitting there, and, and the whole time he's going, uh-huh, yep, uh-huh, uh-huh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep, yep. And then you're like, so do you want to do it Saturday or Friday? What? You're like, you weren't even listening to me. See, there's no response. And, and we ask that question about God because He isn't answering our prayer. We, we try to dialogue with Him, but God doesn't respond. And so our natural progression in thought is, well, is He even listening? Does God even hear my prayer? 
And that question is actually more common in all of us than we might like to admit. And so I want to address that today as best as I can, and hopefully we can walk away with at least some answers on this issue as to why he might not be answering us. Now, I don't know about you, but I grew up in a Christian family. Uh, we went to church almost every Sunday, and so that meant I was in Sunday school almost every Sunday. Anybody grow up like me? All right, a lot of you. Okay, so you, you might know what I'm talking about here. But in Sunday school, I was taught this when it comes to prayer. When I would ask the Sunday school teacher, hey, teacher, uh, why doesn't God ever answer my prayer? Guess what the teacher would say? He'd say, Luke, truth is God has answered your prayer. God answers all of our prayers. And he answers it in one of three ways. God either answers what? Yes, no, or you're going to have to wait on that. Okay? Well, that's how I grew up. That is what I was taught. That is what I was told an answer to prayer was supposed to look like. Yes, no, you need to wait. Only problem is, is that it always seemed that God wanted to use the last two answers on me. You know what I mean? It was always either no or wait, which you really didn't know if it was wait. You just got to know. And you're like, well, maybe I'll hang on. Maybe it'll show up at some point. I have no idea. Because I hardly ever got a yes. It was either no or wait. And so I was like, man, prayer stinks. In my mind, I just pictured me, you know, begging God for something, trying to talk about something, and God sitting on his throne just going, nope, nope. You're going to have to wait on that one. <laughs> no, no, no way. Yeah, well, you're going to have to wait a long time on that one. That's what I pictured God was doing. Does anybody identify with what I'm saying here? Yeah. I mean, that essentially was my prayer life, and so, so much so that eventually, you know how it is, if you get told no enough times, what do you do? You stop asking, because you just expect the answer is going to be no, so I'm just not going to ask, and if I'm going to be honest with you, I still struggle with that, and I know I'm not the only one who struggles with that, because I've heard a lot of people mention to me that they often wonder what the point of prayer is anyways, because God never answers. Or at least he never answers yes. We get used to God, you know, hardly ever answering yes. In fact, I would say that as a church across the world as a whole, in generalities, whatever, the church has gotten used to that. We're just used to God not moving on our behalf on things that we petition him. And when that happens, we find ourselves starting to say things, well, apparently God doesn't heal or perform miracles anymore like he did with the early church people. And the reason he doesn't is because we must be in a different time period. The Holy Spirit doesn't work like he did with the early church because we're in this different, you know, little time capsule. He did it back then, but he doesn't do it now. The way that he interacts with mankind must be different now. We're in a different dispensation or a different relationship of sorts, however you want to put it. And in my opinion, the reason that we think that and we say that is because we don't see God doing these things anymore like he did back then. Therefore, something must be different. But you know, I feel like what happens is that because things don't happen like we see them happening in the Bible, we tend to look at God and we assume he's the one to blame. He's the one who's changed. We think he's the one who does things differently now. It's all his doing. 
Now, we know the verse, I'm the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, but for some reason, he's changed from yesterday to today. And I have to ask the question, why do we do that? Why do we assume God has changed? Why do we assume God doesn't want to answer our prayers like he did for the early church? The question we need to ask is, how do we know it isn't us? I think we should rather look at ourselves and see where we've messed things up. See, that this may be all our doing. It seems to me that we should have kind of an internal checkup first to see where we might be going wrong rather than naturally assume God has changed the way he does things now. Here's a, a good way to look at it. We should never let our experience dictate what we think the Bible teaches. For in other words, let's say that my experience is this, and so I look into the Bible to try to use the Bible to prove that my experience is correct. should never go that route. Instead, we should let the Bible, what the Bible teaches, dictate our experience. Amen? If God isn't working in our life like we saw him work in Peter's life, in Paul's life, in Timothy's life, we shouldn't just naturally assume God has changed. It's probably us. We should let the Bible teach us and instruct us on how we might be missing the boat somehow, which is preventing God from working in our life as he did with those men. In Whitestone, I think the first thing we should address in dealing with this is the relationship. I think we all agree that Jesus came so that we could have a relationship, right? Do we agree with that? Yeah, I mean, Jesus came so that we could have what? Eternal life. And what is eternal life? John 17, 3 tells us. It says this. Now this is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Eternal life is knowing God and not just knowing about him up here. It's knowing him, having an interactive relationship with him. So we're to have an interactive relationship with God. We're just supposed to. That's what Christ came for. Because think about it. There's going to be no prayer happening if there's no relationship. That's just a logical reality. And I think that's pretty obvious, right? And we all may agree to that. But for some reason, we treat our relationship with God in a different way than we would our human relationships. And what I mean by that, here's what I mean. We teach that God always answers our prayer, either with a yes or no, or you're going to have to wait. That's how God answers prayer. Those three ways. Now, when you think about it, do you see how weird that is? If we all agree that prayer is a dialogue with God, how in the world can you have a dialogue with God if he only answers those three answers? I don't think you have to be a brain surgeon to know that's going to be kind of a weird relationship or weird conversation. I mean, what if I did that with my wife? What if I came home from work one day, I walk in through the door, and my wife is like, hey, honey, how was your day? And I'm like, no. What do you mean, no? I mean, did you have a bad day? You're going to have to wait on that. <laughs> what are you talking about? I mean, wait on what? Yes. Exactly. <laughs> yes, what, Luke? What in the world is going on, Luke? I just want to know how your day went. 
you're going to have to wait on that. (laughs) You see my point? That would be the weirdest conversation ever. That'd be the weirdest relationship ever. And I'll tell you, I don't think a relationship like that would last even a week. And yet, that's how we've been taught that our relationship with God is like. Because that is how God answers when we pray. When we dialogue with God, apparently that's how he's going to respond. And guys, let me just say, if that's what you were taught in Sunday school as a kid and you grew up believing that, your relationship with God is going to be stunted. Let me just tell you from experience. Because that isn't the way it's supposed to be. I mean, listen to me. If Jesus came so that we could have a relationship with God, so that we could get to know him, then trust me, Whitestone, we are meant to dialogue with him, have a conversation with him. And in a dialogue, in a conversation, more is said than just yes, no, and you're going to have to hold on for that. God talked with Abraham. God talked with Moses. God talked with David. God talked with Peter and with Paul and with Timothy. He talked with them. And he wants to talk to us. We're meant to have a conversational relationship with him. Prayer is the dialogue to that relationship. That's what prayer is meant to be. And so, guys, in saying that, we need to base the reality of prayer off the reality of a relationship. And you'll see what I mean by that in a second. A relationship requires an open communication, an open dialogue, right? I mean, every relationship, a good one, that's what's going to happen. Whenever I sit down and meet with premarital counseling, I tell them, listen, the lifeblood of your relationship is going to be communication. So it's the same with God, just like Peter had in the Bible, just like Paul had. We can have that too, because eternal life has been offered to all men and women, knowing God interactively. So Follow me here. If we base the reality of prayer off the reality of relationship, then we must realize that with any relationship, there comes rules. Rules for how that relationship functions. And if we abide by those rules, the relationship will function beautifully. But if the rules are broken, if the rules are ignored, that relationship suffers. Does that make sense? Everybody get that? You see, whether we know it or not, every single relationship we have, there's rules to that relationship. We don't pay attention to it, but they just are. Like, for instance, in every marriage, there are rules to that marriage. Sean and I have rules in our marriage. A lot of rules, okay? (laughs) For instance, here's one. And uh, this may be a rule for all of you, but one big rule in our marriage is never make plans without what? Checking with her first, okay? Trust me, the relationship suffers when you break that rule, okay? How many guys have messed up on that? Yeah, learn the rule. Here's another rule, guys. Towels. Towels need to be folded in a very particular way, okay? It's a rule in our household. Early on in our marriage, I thought I'd do a nice little deed of folding the laundry for Shauna, and she's like, "Uh, honey, can you... You didn't fold the towels right. Like, what do you mean to fold the towels right? Honey, I put them in a shelf. We take them off. We dry ourselves. It's not important that they're folded. And she's like, no, I know, but they need to be folded very... Here, I'll show you how. And she did it for me. I'm like, honey, just be thankful I'm folding the towels. She's like, I am thankful, but I want them folded this way. 
That's a rule. Okay. Here's another one. Toilet paper. I didn't even know this rule existed until I got married. Did you realize, well, how, let me just ask you guys. How many guys think that the toilet paper needs to come off the top of the roll and not the bottom? How many say top? Only if your wife yells at you. <laughs> how many say bottom? Three? How many say it really does not matter? <laughs> guys, it's a matter of four inches. Okay, I can grab up here, I can grab down here. It really does not matter. But that is a rule in our household. Okay? Uh, my wife will yell at me. She'll be sometimes, look, you put it on wrong. Here's another one. It's a big rule in our household. When I go to the bathroom, I have to lift the seat up and put the seat down. Now, in my mind, I think if I put it up, she can put it down, right? No, I got to go up and down. And trust me, if you don't put it back down, it, the relationship suffers. Because if she sits on the toilet without the seat down, mamacita. Now, guys, every relationship we have has rules. Every one. In fact, I, I met a woman here at church, this was years ago, and her name was Deborah. And I'm kind of a nickname sort of dude, and so on her way, I'm like, all right, Debbie, have a great week. And she turned to me, she says, don't ever call me Debbie. My name is Deborah. And you know what? That's a rule for her. And if I wanted to have a relationship with this woman, I need to abide by that rule because it was important to her. Every relationship we're in, whether we're close or not, has certain rules. And those rules need to be followed for the relationship to be healthy and function like it should. A good relationship is a relationship where the rules are followed on both sides. Well, guess what? When it comes to our relationship with God, just like any relationship, there are rules. And if we want that relationship to function like it is meant to, we need to abide by the rules. It just makes logical sense. Our relationship with God is just like any other relationship. We follow the rules. But you know what? Here's what I find so often when it comes to our relationship with God. Because God is unseen, what do we often do with those rules? We ignore them. Because God is unseen, we often ignore the rules with Him. Because I can't see God in, 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 in our relationship with Him, what we do is we just blow, blow through the rules, act like they don't exist. You ever notice that in your life? I do all the time. You don't see Him, and because you don't see Him, you pretend He's not there, and we ignore His rules. And guys, here's the deal. We deeply offend the relationship. And we do it all the time, people. And then, we do it all the time, and then we have the gall to question why in the world God doesn't answer our prayers. Why won't he do what I asked him to do? Why in the world won't God dialogue with me? Why is he so silent? What is his problem? Why is he being a jerk? We ignore him and break every rule in the relationship, but then when we need something from him, we get mad if he doesn't respond. Do you see how foolish we are? Here's the deal, Whitestone. Here's the truth on the issue of prayer that we often don't like to talk about. We ignore it. But it's something we had better address because it's a very important part of prayer, and it's this. Guys, there are certain rules that if we choose to ignore, God 
will not listen to our prayer. He will not listen to our prayer. He will ignore us. He will remain silent. And I want to talk about some of those rules, those specific issues today, because I think they're very important. And I think that maybe some of us might not even know about them. We don't know that we're breaking these rules, and therefore we don't know why God isn't answering our prayers. Well, we had better know this. And the first one I want to mention seems like an obvious one, but we tend to ignore it, and it's this. God will not listen to us when we have unrepentant sin in our lives. Unrepentant means we're just choosing to hang on to it. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm going this direction. I'm going away from God, and I like this, and I want this, and I'm hanging on to it. It's unrepentant. God will not listen to us when we have unrepentant in our lives. And guys... Here's the deal. So many of us have pride and lust and are holding on to anger and greed and dishonesty and pornography and drunkenness and, and on and on the list may go of sins that we choose to keep hidden in our lives and not get rid of. Sins we enjoy. Sins that we pretend God doesn't see. Sins we keep indulging in and pretending nothing is wrong. And yet, by choosing to keep these sins part of our life and continue to enjoy them, we break an important rule in our relationship with God, and it offends Him. And yet, we go to talk to God, we play all cool and just pretend that He doesn't know about Him, we pretend that you know, He isn't aware, and we make God out to be a fool, as if He doesn't know. Of course He knows. And He will not listen to us as long as we refuse to confess them to Him and repent of them. Let me show you a few verses that don't really mince words. Psalm 66 says this, If I regard iniquity in my heart... The Lord will not hear. If I cherish iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Look at this one in Proverbs. Then they will call me, but I'm not going to answer. They will look for me, but they won't find me. Why? Well, since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord. Proverbs 28, look at this. If anyone turns a deaf ear to the law, even his prayers are detestable. See that? If we choose to break these rules of God, our prayers are revolting to Him. And yet, guys, the church as a whole is filled with people like this. There's so many quote-unquote Christians that live like the world. They look just like the world. You can't tell them apart from the world. They live in sin. They ignore their sin. They love their sin. And yet, these people question why God won't answer their prayers couples all the time who are looking to get married in the future are living together having sex outside of marriage but they're living together and you know what they still come to church they still do their things they still think they're you know quote-unquote christian they're doing all the things that you know they they want to do as christians but they're just they've got this little sin in their life that they're hanging on to and it's theirs and they don't want to talk to god about it and yet they want to get married and they want to have god bless their marriage and yet all the while they're offending him there are rules. And when we choose to break those rules, there are consequences. And God choosing not to respond to us is one of those consequences. Whether we like it or not, that's the reality. There's a verse I have hanging in my office that is always a sober remind, reminder to me. It says this, we know that God does not listen to sinners. 
He listens to the godly man who does his will. Not sure there's much else you can say about that. God hears the prayer of a godly man or godly woman, not the prayers of unrepentant sinners. Let me show you another rule when it comes to our relationship with God that affects prayer. When we refuse to forgive others, God will not forgive us. God will not honor the attitude of unforgiveness. The culture of the kingdom of God is a culture of forgiveness. And when we choose not to forgive others, we're snubbing the reality of God's God's kingdom. We're, We're snubbing not only that, we're snubbing the reality of God's forgiveness to us. It's like the parable. We've we've probably all heard this parable. There was a guy who owed this king millions and millions of dollars. And the king was going through all his accounts, and he said, Hey, bring this man to here. i got to talk to him because he owes me a lot of money. The guy comes before the king, and he says, Hey, bro, you owe me all this money. And the guy goes, I'm sorry. He fell down on his knees. I don't have the money to pay you. Can you please forgive me? Can you please forgive me? And the king had compassion on him out of his heart. And he says, you know what? I forgive the debt. You owe me nothing. And the man went out from the presence of the king rejoicing because he'd been forgiven a great debt. On his way home, he runs into his buddy who owes him $15. He says, hey, bro, you owe me $15. What's up with that? And the guy goes, man, I'm so sorry. I don't have the money right now. Can I pay you later? And he's like, no, I want it right now. He goes, dude, I I don't have it. He's like, guards, come arrest this man. Throw him in prison until he pays me my $15. The king heard about this. And he got angry. And he called the man before him. He says, how in the world would you, I just forgave you millions and millions of dollars. And then you had the gall to go out and put this guy in prison for $15? How dare you? And then Jesus says these words. If you will not forgive others, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. If we choose to remain angry and not forgive others, don't expect God to answer any of your prayers. Don't expect any dialogue to happen between you and God. It's that simple. Our ongoing assurance of forgiveness before the Father is in some way dependent on our willingness to forgive others. In the Lord's Prayer, it says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We had better be paying attention to our hearts, third service, to make sure that we're not harboring hatred and resentment to other people. If we have an attitude of hatred and resentment and unforgiveness, we can expect our prayers to be hindered. They just will. An important rule in our relationship with God is that we're meant to be forgiving other people. And let me ask you, how many times should we be forgiving them? It's pretty quiet. Seven times 77, which means... Indefinite. How many times have you forgiven someone 490 times? That's what the kingdom of God looks like. You know, I got an email this week from a woman from church here. And um, she had gotten Crohn's. She was sick with this disease. And she almost died from it several times. It was horrible, just absolutely horrible. And she prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and asked God to heal her. And God refused to heal her. Over and over, she begged God to heal her. It never happened. And then she began, you know, as we do, asking, Why, God, why wouldn't you heal me? And God answered her. 
and said, because you have unforgiveness in your heart to these people who have hurt you. You know what? She went back and she sought forgiveness with these people. She forgave them from her heart for what they did to her. And do you realize that now she's a healed woman today? She's been set free from her disease. Set free because of forgiveness. Here's another rule we need to be aware of. And this one's often ignored and overlooked too. If husbands aren't loving and honoring their wives, their prayers are hindered. Husbands, listen to me. The husband and wife relationship is meant to reflect the relationship between the church and Jesus. And husbands, guess who you are to represent in your marriage? Jesus. Jesus. You are to be Jesus to her. You are to care for her, to cherish her, to honor her, to love her, to serve her. Be willing to give your life for her just as Christ did for the church. You are Jesus in that relationship. And when you choose not to be, when you choose to be selfish and angry and dismissive and argumentative and self-consumed, when you think of yourself as better than her because you're stronger and you're, you're tougher and therefore you choose to make her serve you rather than you serve her, when you choose to make her honor you rather than you honor her above yourself, when you choose to ignore her and force her to deal with all of her emotional and physical needs on her own, I want you to know something. You're making a mockery of Jesus Christ himself, and you're not bearing the image of Christ in your marriage, and that is not cool with God. Peter says this, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you love or as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life, so that, what? Nothing will hinder your prayers. I like how Eugene Peterson puts this in the message. He goes, the same goes for you, husbands. Be good husbands to your wives. Honor them. Delight in them. As women, they may lack some of your advantages with your strength, but in the new life of God's grace, you're equals. Treat your wives then as equals, so that your prayers aren't hampered. Husbands, as leaders in the family, lead like Jesus did. And God will hear your prayers. Here's another rule when it comes to our relationship with God. God will not answer selfish prayers. He will not answer selfish prayers, so don't, don't pray them. Don't, don't ask for them. Don't dialogue with God to be able to get your own selfish way. Don't use prayer for that. God is not an ATM machine that you just pull up to and plug in your request and expect them to give it to you. You are using your relationship with God for greedy purposes so that you can just indulge in worldly pleasure, and God won't honor that. He just won't. In James it says, when you ask, you do not receive. Because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Guys, here's the deal. Our motives matter to God. They deeply matter to God. And trust me, he can tell when we have an ulterior motive in our dialogue with him. He can tell. He's an all-knowing father. We earthly fathers aren't very good at that, but he is. You know how it is with our kids sometimes? I have two kids in college. They're always needing money. I'll get a text from one of them and be like, Dad, I just want you to know what an amazing father you are. I love you so much. Thank you for all you do. And I'm just like, that is awesome. 
I'm going to screenshot that and save that. I'm going to look at it every day of my life, and this is just the most amazing thing. 24 hours later, hey, Dad, any chance you could spare me $50, $60? I want to go shopping. And I'll be like, absolutely, honey. You love me, and I love you. And I give it to him because I get suckered in. Now, it may work for me, it may work on me, but it doesn't work on God. He knows our motives. He knows when we're asking selfishly or selflessly. And he won't honor a selfish prayer. He'll remain silent on that. All right, guys, we're running out of time, so I just want to end with this. Remember, guys, we're in a, in a relationship with God. And as with any relationship, there are rules to, to follow to honor it. And it's only right that we honor our relationship with God. If I don't, I can't expect Him to dialogue with me about anything. If I've offended that relationship, I've offended God. And like any relationship, there is a price to pay for that. And if you find God isn't answering you or remaining silent with you, don't rush to blame Him. Don't come up with the thing that, well, He must be acting differently now. No, it's probably you. See where it is where you may have broken the rule and severed the communication line and repent from it. Choose to honor the relationship by honoring God to do the right things according to what He says. Guys, let me tell you a prayer that God will always hear. He will never turn a deaf ear to this kind of prayer. He always hears the prayer of a repentant sinner who is coming to Him. And so we, may, we might be sitting here today going, well, good grief. I guess I have to be perfect to talk to God and Him to talk to me. No, that's not the case. We may be walking down the road of holding our little sin, treasuring it, indulging in it, we've got this, and, and still trying to pretend the Christian life. But at some point when we repent from it, what it means is we turn from, we go, you know, we turn towards God. And I may be a long way from Him, but I'm facing the right direction. I'm going this way, and I'm saying, God, I need you. I want you in my life. I need to dialogue with you. And you know what? God will hear that prayer, and he will dialogue with that person. Because I'm facing the right direction. If I'm going that way, he won't listen. If we choose to repair and honor the relationship, let me tell you something. He loves dialoguing with you. Probably more than you do. He will listen to you. He will be attentive to your prayers. First Peter says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. In James it says, The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. The prayers of what? A righteous man. You want to honor God in your relationship with him? Walk righteously. You want to have a great open communication with God? Walk righteously. Do what God wants you to do. Obey him. Guys, here's the deal. God is holy, and he desires us to be holy, to be holy as he is holy. And when he knows that we're seeking that holiness, uh, you know, as well, when, we're, when he knows that we're apprenticing ourselves after Jesus, following him, he's going to deepen that relationship even more by answering those prayers. Whitestone, walk in righteousness. Amen? Walk in righteousness. Let's follow our king. Let's obey our heavenly father. Let's apprentice ourselves after our rabbi Jesus. And let's be men and women who honor the relationship that we have with God 
so that we can have an open dialogue with him day in and day out. Amen? That's what we should have. Here's your homework for this week. I want you to ask God to search your heart and point out any area that you might be dishonoring your relationship with him by breaking a rule. Now, guys, chances are you might not even know it's happening. We have so many blind spots in our life, it's not even funny. But just, just humbly and repentantly come to God and say, God, I need you to show me. Where am I offending you? Where am I hurting you? Just point it out. And guys, do this humbly and repentantly. Don't just be like, hey, God, what's up? Here I am, you know, showed up. No, be real. Come to him humbly, and he will help you. And then second, confess it to him. Reestablish that open line of communication with him. Be restored to fellowship. And follow Jesus with everything you have. Amen? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for my third service people. I thank you for their lives. I thank you for what you're doing in their lives. And God, we, we know, we, we just confess right now that there's a lot of things where we just continue to offend you. And God, we want to be holy, righteous people whose prayers are powerful and effective. And so I pray that you would do that mighty work in our lives and that you might use us to extend your kingdom here in this Lake Country area, but also in the world beyond. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, love you so very, very much. Have an awesome week. We'll see you next Sunday.